Well, before we get uh, started with our teaching time, um, I, you know, this has been a, a week, a weekend as well as gratitude, and let me in advance offer some thanks. Uh, first of all, uh, Dale Seward and our decorating team, they have started their decorations already and will continue to uh, throughout this week, and so uh, just uh, thank you to them. Also, um, uh, Brian does a lot of things here behind the scenes that we don't always see. And so every, all the readings that you hear uh, throughout the Advent season, Brian has put those together, uh, written some of those, um, and uh, organized that part of our journey for us. And so, Brian, thank you. I just want to offer that thanks. And he does so many other things behind the scenes, too. It's, I won't even go into the, the, the list of the details uh, today. Hank and team, thank you uh, for what you guys are going to have done and going to do. Uh, the band just sounds terrific today. So anyway, I just want to offer uh, those words of, of gratitude uh, before we kind of move out of this Thanksgiving weekend. Well, last year during the height of COVID, you may or may not have heard the story of Mary Daniel. She had gone 114 days without seeing her husband, Steve. Steve, who suffers from dementia, lives in a long-term care facility in Jacksonville, Florida. And Mary, who only lives five miles away, would go by and visit uh, each day. And, and at first, she would just be able to visit at the window. And as she visited him, she became really concerned because he was losing a lot of weight. And any of you who have cared for someone with dementia know that the idea of physical touch is really important uh, to them being able to thrive. So Mary, who uh, ha- has a job uh, and able to support, because St- Steve uh, became uh, a resident of the long-term care uh, community earlier than, than a lot of adults do, and so she has a job, but what she did was she took another part-time job uh, washing dishes at the care facility uh, two days a week, and the staff let her go in and see Steve after her shift, uh, all those two days, and give him a hug uh, throughout uh, that stretch of the pandemic. And it was a a powerful experience uh, for her, and she says uh, Steve seemed to perk up and begin to thrive. But she did what she had to do. She did what she had to do in able to draw near to him. Well, today, as you've heard us say already, is the first Sunday of Advent, and we begin our series, Nativity Stories. Advent is the season of the year in which the church around the world celebrates the the drawing near of Jesus. Jesus left the glory of heaven. He sacrificed. He did what he needed to do. He did what needed to be done to draw near to you and to me. And Advent celebrates both the first coming of Jesus and it leans forward and it anticipates the second coming of Jesus one day. And so each week uh, we'll light uh, a candle of the Advent wreath that represents the themes of Advent, hope, peace, joy, and love. On Christmas Eve we'll light the Christ candle. And during our teaching time we'll just weave all these different themes uh, together as we consider the stories the nativity stories of those who walked across the the stage of human history uh, during that first Christmas. Well, our text this morning features an old priest by the name of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Their story can be found in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. The text will be on the screen uh, behind me. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah 
who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were out praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. This is the word of God for the people of God, and it is just brimming with nativity hope. In their story, Zechariah and Elizabeth, we see nativity hope going head to head with life's disappointments. Disappointment, if you ever think about it, if you just say it over and over, is really an odd word. The etymology of the word is Middle French from the 14th century, and it meant to be removed from an appointed office for some reason. And so the modern understanding of frustration is derived from this sense of failure or being dejected. Our text opens by laying out a few biographical facts about Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were both descendants of Aaron. He was serving during the time of King Herod, sort of a basic bio there. And then Luke offers a word about their character. He tells us they were upright in the eyes of the Lord. So just sort of just the facts as their story opens up. And then all of a sudden, Luke just drops the hammer. He drops the hammer. It starts with the word but in verse 7. Watch out for any phrase that includes the word but, because it essentially casts light on anything that has gone before. Now, you may know how that goes. You may say, you know, I am sorry I ate the third portion of the mashed potatoes this weekend, but they seemed all alone in the dish. Or I wanted to finish that last chore on the list, but 
the TV was on, and there was a football game on, and, well, somebody had to watch it. Or I wanted to come to church this morning, but I won't finish that one. Luke tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous, blameless, but Elizabeth was barren. In other words, something was not right. To be barren in those days, unable to have children, was to be considered less than or something was wrong. Perhaps even there was a spiritual problem. Elizabeth would have been misunderstood at best in her community in those days and scorned at worst. Thanks be to God, our culture is not like that today in some places. Unfortunately, it's like that in others. You see in their minds, their appointment was supposed to be like every other couple in town. Their appointment that they so desperately wanted to keep was to be parents, to have children, to have heirs. And they were disappointed. The way their culture operated deep down, they maybe even wondered from time to time what they had done wrong. Life can be filled with so many disappointments and shattered dreams. Some of our disappointments come because they're simply part of life. The loss of a loved one, a battle with a disease, the loss of a job, a failed relationship, a challenging parenting crisis. We go into life with optimism and hope, and we should. And then when things don't turn out how we wanted, and in some cases when things don't turn out how we needed, we're disappointed. And then some of our disappointments come because we have inflated expectations and we have false hope. Every year, Every year, no kidding, you can look at my Facebook feed as proof. I predict and I expect the Nationals to win more games than we do, with the exception of that glorious year when we won the World Series in 2019. And every year, I am disappointed. I have inflated expectations. This happens a lot during the Christmas season, doesn't it? We want everything to be just perfect. We want everything to be maybe like we remember it through rose-colored glasses in childhood or maybe the way we think other families are having Christmas or maybe the way we see on all those Hallmark movies on TV. We want everything to be just perfect and we get disappointed. We allow our hearts to get stolen by the image of Christmas at times rather than captivated by the Christ of Christmas. But look at what happened to Zechariah and Elizabeth. God showed up in the midst of their disappointment. God opened the the womb and they were delivered and they were given a new hope. Elizabeth would indeed have a baby months later. His name would be John the Baptist and he would be used by God to prepare the way for Jesus. God brought life where life had been given up on. Now, I want us to notice something else about their faithfulness. In the many years after they passed, the typical childbearing years, they could have gotten bitter and they could have gotten angry with God. But notice what Gabriel told them. He said, your prayer has been answered. Your prayer has been answered. They could have allowed their disappointment to define their character, but they didn't. 
They stayed faithful to God and they continued to draw near to God through their obedience. And they continued to pray and to hold out hope. You get this sense with Zechariah and Elizabeth. And I think it's why we we lift them up during the Advent season some years. But you get this sense that God was enough for them. You just get this sense. Yes, they wanted a child desperately. But even more so, they seemed to want God. They wanted a child desperately. But even more, they wanted God. We can learn from their story today. I don't know about you, but it seems like hope has a way of shining brighter in the face of life's disappointments. It has a way of leading us to dig deep and to persevere in the face of disappointment. Hope has a way in the face of disappointment to pull us forward into the arc of God's story. You see, no matter what we face during our journey here on earth, if we will receive Jesus into the very center of our being and allow him to carry us in times of struggle and disappointment, he will lift our hearts and fill us with a new hope that defies disappointment. Think about the disciples for a moment and their journey with Jesus. They thought the wedding had run out of wine, but all he needed was just a little water and some hope. They thought that they had no way to feed 5,000 people on the hillside, but all they needed was a few pieces of bread and a few fish and his power and his hope. They thought Lazarus was dead for good, but all he needed was his death-defying voice and some hope. They thought the powers that beat him finally got to him because they arrested him, they beat him, they insulted him, and they executed him, and they buried him. But by the power of of God. He was delivered and resurrected to new life and to new hope. You see, his hope shouts through the corridors of human history to tell us no matter what we face, there will be a day in the fullness of God's time when God's renewal project will come to an end and we will experience, yes, what we celebrate also, the second advent of Jesus, the second coming of Christ. And at the renewal of all things, there will be no more tears. There will be no more disease. There will be no more war. There will be no more violence. There will be no more death. There will be no more disappointments. And get this, there will be no more hope. Because we won't need it. See, in the fullness of God's time, when God calls all of this project to an end, our hopes will be fully and completely realized in Him. See, hope pulls us forward. Advent hope pulls us forward into the arc of God's story. Our appointment is to walk in full communion with God, to be reconciled once and for all, and there will be no more dissing of that appointment in the fullness of his time. He becomes enough for us, doesn't he? Not in a limiting way, but in a fulfilling way. Are you disappointed this morning? Do you have a dream that has been dashed or a hope that has been lost? 
Do you need God to show up in the middle of your pain? Stay close to God. Watch for Him to work. He will fill you with His grace and He will give you a living hope. It may be to restore a dream or hope that seemed lost like Zechariah and Elizabeth, or it may be to allow you to imagine new hope and to dream new dreams. Now, let me just offer one more brief word about hope this morning from their story. So hope came to them just in the face of life's big disappointment. But we also see hope in the smallest of details. In the smallest of details. The Christmas season can be filled with with interesting and fascinating small little details. When uh, our kids were were younger, we had uh, several nativity scenes and sets around the house. And and there was one in a a prominent place in our living room. And and Jody kept noticing that our daughter Margot, who was in grade school at the time, well, she kept noticing first that the figures seemed to move around. And, and she, you know, she wasn't imagining that all of a sudden these animals were, were coming to life and moving around. And then she realized that Margot, our daughter, who was in grade school at the time, would sneak in there and just move the figures around and put them in different places. And we never caught her doing it. And so at times, uh, it looked like Joseph just took a stroll and said, hey, this is a little much for me right now. He's heading out. Of the picture at other times, you know, Jesus might just you know, not, not be in the, in the uh, manger. At other times, the animals would be around. And it was just kind of a this fascinating little journey through Advent that year. You know, imagine what would happen if, if the story had actually been, you know, the donkey in the manger and Jesus sort of perched on the top, you know. The details of Christmas matter, don't they? The details of their story, if you look at them, maybe it's a a great thing to do uh, this week, but if you look at the details, they're fascinating. Luke tells us what division of the priesthood to which Zechariah belonged. We are told the angel's name, and his name was Gabriel, and he was standing on the right side of the altar. It says that Elizabeth was secluded for five months after she became pregnant. And then when you think about it, even the entire story, of John the Baptist is a detail. It's a detail about the bigger story of God's salvation in Christ. Later on uh, in Luke's Gospel, Zechariah sings a song of praise, and the song of praise is really not about his boy. It's about Jesus. What's the point? Even in the smaller things in life, things that might go unnoticed normally, God will work and weave His hope in extraordinary ways. When we hear the story that led to the birth of John the Baptist, we're on the other side of Advent. We hear, and as extraordinary as it may be, we know that this story is about so much more than them. That this story is about preparing the way for Jesus. And we see God working and weaving His sovereign plan through the preparing of John the Baptist for Jesus. Jesus, this is so much more than the details, but it's not less, is it? God is up to something big, grand, spectacular, history-making, and life-changing. And yet, the hopes and dreams and disappointments of ordinary people, like an old priest and his wife, are not forgotten. God could have chosen anyone 
But He chose to bless this old priest and his wife. He chose to lift the cloud of disappointment and to bring them hope. You may be struggling with disappointment or simply feeling insignificant in the scheme of life. Take hope. God cares. God has not forgotten you. Keep calling out to Him in prayer. He hears you just like He heard Zechariah and Elizabeth. What's your nativity story of hope this year? What's the hope story that God is writing in your life? We want to give you a moment uh, at the end of of each message this year uh, to just write uh, on the card that we've included for you uh, in in your handout there. It looks like this. And this one today says simply, my hope for Christmas 2021 is dot, dot, dot. And we want to give you a moment. Hank, if you want to come on up and the band wants to come on up, and they'll get ready for us to sing our last song after I pray. Uh, But my hope for Christmas 2021 is, and just write what your hope is. Or maybe God has given you hope. Maybe you want to praise God for a hope that he has fulfilled in your life. And then there's a black box in the back of the sanctuary. You don't have to put your name on it. There's a black box in the back. They're also on the way out. It's the same box we put the offering in. Just simply put that in. And what we want to do is just create a storyboard of nativity, hope, love, joy, and peace this year. Again, you don't have to put your name on it. We just would love to hear some of your hopes for the year. God comes to us in many different times, particularly in the face of disappointment and lifts us and brings us hope. I invite you to pray with me. God, we do thank you so much for the hope that you give us in Jesus. And that, God, we know that um, life can be filled with disappointment. Life can be filled at times with, with shattered dreams and hopes. But you come to us and you begin to weave and to write a new story of hope in Christ. So God, we thank you that in Jesus that disappointment is not the final answer. That in Him we can have a new hope and a new life. New hope for living. And so God, I pray for each one of us that we would open our hearts to the way that You would work in us this Advent season to bring us to experience Your hope so that we may share Your hope with others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.